You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. Hey, good evening, New Heights Church. I want to thank you for joining us. And today we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. And uh, with us, we have a special guest. We have Tim Turner. How's it going, Tim? It's going really well there, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Man, truly, uh, it's an honor. And I have a, uh, Well, first, I want to introduce you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, we'll start there. So, what, what, you work for the West Virginia Southern Baptist. Explain maybe your title and, and what it is you okay. do there. Okay, so um, it's actually the director of evangelism and discipleship, which obviously they go hand in hand, right? Right. Um, entails a lot of different hats. Uh, pretty difficult to do all of them well, mm-hmm. but we try to <laughs> to do as best as we can on that. Um, entails events um, like uh, camp or Inspire Conference mm-hmm. that we have in October, Men and Boys Retreat, um, Youth Evangelism Conference yeah. uh, in March. Uh, so event-wise, we're so small that everybody is all hands on deck, right? So right. we have four people at the convention, so everybody is involved in everything, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but but we, we do what we have to do. Um, but it also entails discipleship. Uh, I do some trainings in VBS and cool. Sunday school training, small group training, that kind of thing in churches or yeah. um, uh, convention-wide, and uh, done some revivals and preach when I'm needed wherever I need to go in the state, so I'm kind how, of everywhere. How often do you preach? At least, uh, usually at least two times a month, uh, cool. sometimes okay. three. I try to reserve wow. one yeah. one Sunday for myself, so to speak, uh, whether I stay at home and go to my home church, a Good Shepherd, yeah. or um, go see my kids in Kentucky, so I try to keep that in your pa- his pastor is my neighbor, by the way. He's yeah, a good, that's good right. man. Good that's man. Right. Yeah. Um, like y'all live right next to each we, other. Literally right. right. That's what yeah, I was our kids play with each other in that's the backyard. Right. So, <laughs> so um, now you used to pastor. I did. I was I was not a senior pastor. Yeah. I was uh, staff pastor, associate pastor mm-hmm. of uh, different churches. Um, I'll tell a little bit about that if you want me to. Yeah, I would um, love you. Yeah, please. Yeah, so uh, back in mid-80s, graduated college, uh, felt the call to ministry through a lot of different things. We don't have time to think about uh, talk about that. But um, uh, went into the working world, tried to kind of run from ministry, um, took about two years or so, and finally in that third year, I uh, went to my pastor and just said, hey, I can't run from this anymore. So I became a youth pastor quite quickly after that yeah. in, in 1988, and uh, I was youth pastor in, in two churches. Um, there in Birmingham, Alabama, and then eventually began to work with uh, Dr. Nard yeah, in okay. Birmingham. Right. Uh, worked with a church plan actually, and I mm. uh, was kind of like the the campus pastor, but I didn't preach every week either. Uh, Dr. Bill would come over there and preach, and I see. and so I got some experience in doing a lot of different things, administration, um, preaching, and that kind of thing. So you knew him for a long time. Yeah, um, since 1990. Now, Bill Hernard was the previous executive yeah. uh, in the West Virginia Southern Baptist. Um, all right, so let's get into 2 Timothy chapter 2, 14 uh, through, what was it, 26? And I want to, I'm going to read this in portions, and I want to kind of discuss a little bit of it with you. Sure. Um, so first, we're going to look at verses 14 through 15. It says, 
Uh, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does, does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. All right, so I'm curious. Um, what do you what do you think's happening here in these first couple verses? Well, obviously you have to. It would be easy to assume, you know, exactly what is going on in here. Um, if you go back uh, into First Timothy and then the beginning of Second Timothy, you know that we're dealing with false teachers and people who mm-hmm. are causing problems in the church. But so it would be easy to assume. Um, but on the other hand, um, is there nothing new under the sun that there's always struggles in the church correct yeah so obviously that that is going on and just like today um there there are people who who might be in the church that intentionally or maybe even unintentionally are causing issues uh in in the church um so therefore it seems those who have left the body possibly at, that uh that paul is writing to um have spoken ill will about people in the church or have been apostate actually Mm -hmm. and so paul is warning them um not to quarrel with these people yeah yeah and that that it's it's really a waste of time to knowing that that what these folks are are about or their motives or whatever um to to not not spend their time doing that yeah getting distracted in that type of stuff so that's that's pretty applicable today i'd say especially in the area of social media (laughs) oh yeah absolutely and you know, I mean, I think that's uh, one of the things I was thinking about as I was looking through the the questions that you were asking. It's it's easy to uh, get on social media and see a post. Uh, I have some very um, strong uh, people on the on the liberal sure. side yeah. of of life and spiritual life that they'll say things on, and I want to man, I just want to get in there. <laughs> and I know that that's not, sure. it's not going to be helpful to them, nor is it going to be helpful to the church. I can't tell you how many times I've typed a response and sat and looked at it and thought, okay, is this going to be edifying or is this going to be divisive? Is right. it going to be, yeah, is, is this going to bring shame, which is something that he says here, right? Which uh, he presents yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Right. I, and I and I have to ask myself: Is am I if I'm just going to shame myself? Um, and and you know, and somehow being divisive. Um, so as as workers, um, where do you think the church often s- finds themselves shaming themselves? Maybe is the best way to put it. Hmm. Uh, where where we have become quarrelers and 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 you know, where we have not maybe taken this warning to heart? Uh, good. That's a good question. Uh, first of all, I, I think we, we need to step back and think about uh, how, where we got where we are and who, who put us here. I think it's important to, to, to place our lives, uh, remember that we're in Christ, first of all, and um, it's, it's easy to even shame ourselves internally. Yeah. Um, uh, I grew up in a fairly legalistic um, church, uh, loved the church, loved the pastor, but um, I shame myself in that way. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's exactly what's happening here, yeah. but it's easy to go back to your past yeah. after I got saved. Um, I, I would constantly go back and think about things that I had done or thought or said or been a part of right. where I shame myself. Um, 
and and you can't do that as a believer, yeah. right? Um, and then on the on the other side of that is on the on this side of, of salvation, it's important to to make sure that you're not involved in things that that do shame you as a believer to, yeah. to put Christ you know back on the cross, um, and and that's what these people were doing at this particular church. Yeah, they were shaming themselves. And and how the way in the way they were conducting themselves towards right. these unbelievers, right? Man, I, 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 I wish I could say I hadn't been guilty of that, right? right. The way that I've conducted myself towards it. One, one a story that I, I, had, uh, I remember I was got an argument. Um, this was years ago. I was with a friend, and well, you know, you know Daniel Stidham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Danielson were good friends. We were okay. actually worked together. Didn't know that. And I was I was in this argument with a non-believer and um and and I had been arguing with him probably for a couple of days on the existence of God. And I finally got him to admit that God maybe he existed. Okay. And the guy said, "You know what? The reason I don't believe in God is because I had a really bad church experience." And I and my only response was, "Boom! I Told you, I knew it. I <laughs> yeah, knew it. So yeah. later on, I'm, I'm like puffing, you know, puffing my chest because I just won this debate with the atheist. Daniel looks at me and he says, uh, "He said, man, it'd been really good if you'd like talked about Jesus." Oh wow, wow! <laughs> and I uh, was like, I remember getting frustrated that, but like truly, like my conduct was shameful because, and and I know that's maybe a, a weird example, but when when Christ isn't the center or isn't the goal of your conversation mm-hmm. with an unbeliever, uh, yeah, it's just argument for argument's sake or just to be right. Um, I, I think that's often what we do. I think we should kind of shame ourselves. And it, sadly, we, we shame the gospel that we represent. Oh, absolutely. I, I, when I did get uh, first get saved, I, I thought telling everybody that they're going to hell was the way to share the gospel and didn't yeah. really – and I didn't – do a really good job at knowing how to present the gospel until I um, was trained. Yeah. So I think that's important to to make sure that you do know what you're talking about. That's why you talk I, to people. My, my, I told my brother when I first converted my my response to him. I you know I told him you know the gospel. And my response to him when he said I don't know about this, I said, "Are you an idiot?" Like what's wrong with you? Why can't you like as if as if it only took a you know someone told me once and all of a sudden right. I believed you know right. and it was yeah it, it's those moments yeah when you look back first off you see the how the Lord has handled us with just grace constantly. I mean, I mean that. Um, so okay, as a church who's turning ten, um, still a very young church. What advice would you give us on living a life worthy of the gospel, especially with with our speech and how we're rightly handling the word of truth um what what advice could you give to us well i'm going to step back and say kind of the same thing that i just did i think it's important that you look where you came from yeah and the mercy and the grace that christ gave to individual church members i think we should look at it from an individual church member standpoint Mm -hmm. and then look at what god did to uh create or plant the church right and then celebrate that uh, is super important and you're doing that here in in august as a as a 10 year old church plant but on top of that i think it would be easy to become arrogant yeah um as a church well look at what we did look at look at what what we accomplished or even as a pastor it would be easy to say look what i accomplished or Mm -hmm. what i have done to 
to uh, move this church from one year, five years, ten years, or whatever. Right. I think the struggle is real. Why? Because we we are still fleshly people, right, Jeremy? Right. And and so we have to make sure that we don't start puffing ourselves up. Yeah. Uh, in in that in that idea. So. Yeah, I, I want to go to verses sixteen through nineteen. It says, uh, "But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more." and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are, uh, now th- these are some complicated names, so forgive me if I mispronounce these, but Hymenius and Philetus. Any, any, hey, sounds good sounds to me. Good to you? Sounds good to okay. me. Who have, served for, uh, who have swerved from truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Mm. All right. So what I foresee <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm curious your first thoughts. My mine is that negativity and gossip are contagious. Oh, absolutely, they yeah. are. Yeah, it doesn't take much for one person to. He uses the word gangrene here, and yeah. I think that's a great <laughs> uh, picture of what could happen if if it's not taken care of. I remember year, years ago. This is a true story, mm-hmm. and I just thought about this, so I'm going to throw it out there. Okay, <laughs> uh, I went to the hospital to see. Uh, a lady in in the hospital, one of our church members, and I uh, didn't know why she was even there. I don't, you know, I don't ask when <laughs> it's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> but so I walk in, and and she said, I said, "How you doing?" And and I can't remember her name or anything, but uh, she said, "Well, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, I, I got a problem with my leg." And I said, "Do you want to see it?" And I immediately said, "No," because I'm I do not do well with blood and uh, stuff yeah. like that. She she pulls her her a gown up past her knee mm-hmm. and her leg is completely eaten up by gangrene. And I Im- immediately, <laughs> Jeremy, I almost threw up right there. <laughs> and I said, I need to pray for you and go. I got another appointment because I was re- re- getting really sick fast. <laughs> and so I tried to pray for her and I went on. Yeah. Well, guess what? She died two days oh, later, no. man. And it kind of made me feel bad that I couldn't spend more time with her. But it, it's, it's a lesson that they were trying to take care of this gangrene, and yeah. it was apparently so out of control yeah. that even before they could remove her leg, it killed her. Oh, wow. And so as a church, whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 150 years old, if you allow um, babbling and negativity and and uh, people who are gossiping continue on in the church without approaching it, it will become a cancer, so to speak, yeah, and it moves through the church very quickly. It's true, and, and I like that that here we see that it's irreverent. It's, it's irreverent. It doesn't matter. It's, it's these are things that don't. They're they're not important whatsoever, and it and all it's doing right is leading people to be, as he says, to more and more ungodliness. Right. Um. I, and it's so it's interesting because of people who have every reason to rejoice, um, in what the Lord has done, we oftentimes can be the most negative people. Right. And not, not not just we look around, uh, not not just negative about you know, man, I wish we had nicer stuff or a building. Though that, that happens, right? But also as if we're like a defeated people. Like we look at culture, things aren't going our way, and it's like, man, we live and act as if we're defeated. Right. It's just odd to me. <clears throat> it's an odd thing. It is. And and uh, think about 
last few weeks, the positive things that have happened at Scottis yeah. and that kind of thing, um, we we get out on fo- social media and pump it up, and so we're very we can become very emotional Christians, right? Yeah, and and and, and the end of the day, I I I, just, I always try to remind like your joy and hope is not in anything that is happening out there, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, it, and and so it is a it's it's just. I think, again, I, I at a time where people get caught up and and I think some sometimes really silly debates. Um, and, well, let me ask you this question: yeah. when when you have someone who's negative or yeah. babbling in your church, how do you handle uh, how do you handle that <sighs> as a pastor? Okay, so typically, if it's someone who's arguing or complaining about someone else, uh, the first thing I do I say, "Have you talked to them?" That's mm-hmm. that's usually the first thing sure. I ask, and if if they haven't, then I try to instruct on how to do that in a in a in a in a positive way, because if someone's hurt you, you should be able to go to them and talk to them. Sure. And if they don't think they can, then I can I can talk them through it. Um, there's also been times where I should have to be honest with someone and say, "Listen, I, I you're not you're not being thankful. I mean, look, put this in context. Mm-hmm. You know." Uh, you know, when people complain about aspects of the building, sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, it's not my favorite thing either, but guess what? Um, we have a building. Yeah. Right? We're not mm-hmm. being hunted by, you know, a government. You know, we're you know we're not the early church who are being pulled apart by horses <laughs> or made to drink liquid, you know, iron or lead or whatever it was. Yeah, Take that and put it in your head, right? Yeah, right. I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, there's a degree of entitlement and spoiledness right. that sometimes I think, without being a jerk... You can say, focus on what's really important. Like we get right. so distracted by little things. So sometimes when there's complaining or that sort of thing, it, but if, if it's about an, a, a thing, if it's like an entitlement thing, then you know you nicely call it out. Mm-hmm. If it's usually I'm upset at somebody else, then I'll instruct. Okay, how do we? How do we? What does Matthew 18 say about this? Mm-hmm. To where it's not gossiping. Um, you know, typically I don't feel like a lot of people come to the pastor with, at least not with me, maybe with gossip. Maybe Will gets it more than me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so, you, when you were a pastor, how'd you deal with it? That, that's a good question. I I would spend a lot of time counseling people on those kind of things because of the fact that it, it is a gangrene, and I would try to help them understand that church is not about them. Yeah. Worship's not about them. Sunday school class is not about them. Small group's not about them. It's about the whole. Yeah. And when, when that that saying one bad apple spoils the whole bunch mm-hmm. is really, really true. And helping them to see that they're that bad apple without calling them a bad <laughs> apple. That, well, that's not, that's not easy to do. It's not, but it is, it is, it is confronting like that individualism of our culture and, and saying, okay, you're going to have to put that to death. Cause scripture really talks about us being this collective, this body of believers right. that are there to benefit and care for one another. Uh, and right. If, if, I love how you said, like worship, for example, it it's not about it's not about you. It's not mm-hmm. here to entertain you or anything of that nature, right? At all, hopefully, the church is pointing you to to Jesus. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go to verses twenty um, and twenty one. It says, "Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself." From what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, 
useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. If you would, just teach on this and tell us what exposit these this verse i'll try my best thanks for throwing that on me that's that's not you know that's not an easy (laughs) verse (laughs) but i did spend some time uh uh, reading through this and really trying to help myself see what it was trying to say but it is a difficult passage it really is but um uh you know we'd like to think that the house of god is completely and absolutely pure yeah uh we would we would love to come in every Sunday morning knowing that everybody is prayed up, they're they're ready to worship, they have no bitterness in their hearts, there's no apostasy uh, going on, that kind of thing. And yet, in a large house, this is the, one of the commentaries I read, in a large house, there's a lot of parts in a, in a large house. Um, case in point, you have the people who live there, right? And you may have children who live there, you may have grandchildren who live there, it depends on how big this family is and how they operate. And then you may have uh, servants. You may have servants in your house and you may have servants outside your house. And so there's a lot of moving parts. And that's the way he he helped us understand this because the church of God, the, the body of Christ is a very large house. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then uh, it's important to know that not everybody is at the same level of maturity. Uh, they're not at the same level of praying or studying the Word or understanding the Word. You may have some real immature Christians that you know, haven't been saved but a week or two or mm-hmm. a year. I remember how immature I was as, as a year-old Christian. And then you have people who are 30 and 40 years down the road that they may even be immature, right? So you have all kinds of different people in the house yeah. and in the house of God. And so he says there are people who are of gold and silver, which means those who are being useful in the house of God. Those When, when you come into a house and you see, a let's say, a silver um, uh, candle stand, you're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's that's a pretty candle stand. It seems useful to the house. It's it's not only attractive to the house, but it's useful because it's used for light and things like that. And then there are some that are dishonorable, and he, he calls them that they are made of wood and clay. I think it's a picture of maybe even a piece of wood that is just laying on the ground yeah. or unuseful, maybe even only to be burned yeah. uh, in the fire. Uh, so there are uh, two extremes there. There's yeah. honorable and dishonorable. And he's saying, basically, uh, don't get rid of either one of them, Mm. which makes me go back to um, the wheat and the tares that Jesus talked about. They said, do we need to get rid of the tares? But but Jesus said, no, if you get rid of the tares, some of those uh, will pull out some of the good wheat. Mm. So I have have a struggle with with this this passage because it seems like you would just want to weed out everything that is dishonorable. I think two things can be going on here um, in the vessels is that if an honorable vessel is is doing the work, they're not going to be paying attention to the the wood and the clay. They shouldn't be anyway. They should be focused on what God is doing, whether it's teaching, whether it's serving, whether it's singing, leading music, or, or opening a door, whatever it is, they are focused on what God wants them to do. If they're distracted by the wood uh, vessel, then they're not going to do their job very well. Right. And, and so I think he's saying that don't pay attention to them 
don't be distracted by them. Matter of fact, he says, uh, what word does he use there? Uh, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable in this sense, um, that person is honorable for use. He is set apart. And I think if we we realize, okay, first of all, God has called me into salvation, but he's also called me into service. And and if if I'm set apart to do something, go do it and do it well. And if you're distracted by those who um, are negative or they, they don't like what you're doing or whatever the case may be, then you're not going to serve well. Yeah. Uh, t- let's think about if you're going to preach Sunday, Jeremy, and somebody comes to you and they have a complaint about you or uh, just a silly – Never. Just a, 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 <laughs> some, some silly thing going on. Sure. Is that going to distract you from preaching well? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but if you if you read this and you know you know what I can't pay attention to that person I have to, in, in using his words, yeah. cleanse yourself from that person so that you can serve well and serve honorably because you're set apart to do that for, for that day. So it, it is a this passage is a so far what we've seen be discern of of discern what is distracting and focus on what is good. Right, and we have to, as Christians, we have to be able to. We have to make sure that we're that we're not distracted by the dishonorable things and focused on the holy things. That's right. Yeah, and there are three verses that that really stuck out to me that that I I went to is first of all Ephesians two eight through ten, which mm-hmm. the last one, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh, prepared to do good works he has prepared in advance for us to do. I think it's important to know that we are his workmanship and and he's called us to do that. Secondly is Philippians 1.6, which he who started a work in you is able to complete it. And if I'm focused on on the completion part that God chose me for this ministry or this task, and obviously he's, he's... that is like a long-term thing. That's not just a one-time thing that he will complete it to the day that you go to heaven, right? Yeah. I think that's the context. But um, And then lastly, um, the Second Timothy chapter 4, which is later, you'll be preaching on these later, is uh, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Yeah. I think it's important to remember I'm going to fulfill what God has called me to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so after all this time of saying, don't get distracted, and, and church, I, I think, I, man. Actually, before we go forward, I, I, I do want to. What do what do? Let's talk about pastors. What okay. do? Um, pastors get distracted by a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, like we know people in the church. We like as as Christians, we get distracted by things that are not gospel centered. Um, we get distracted by things um, that uh, take us take us off mission. What? What are some things, what would you say to the pastors of New Heights, hmm. um, of things that often distract pastors that really, goodness gracious, they don't matter? <laughs> mm. Well, obviously, I think there are things that we don't like to do, first of all. Yeah. Um, when someone is called to be a pastor, you really don't know what you're getting into. That's true. Right. Um, when you think of being a pastor, you think of preaching, teaching, ministry, those right. kind of things. And I think it's a struggle to, once you get into pastoring, whether you're at New Heights or wherever you are in West Virginia or the nation or, yeah. or the world, 
um, looking at all of the aspects of what it means to be a pastor. Because shepherding encompasses so many different things from from uh, counseling to uh, a, a midnight visit because someone's been killed in a car wreck or whatever. Right. Those things matter, right? Yeah. We hate administration, basically. I lot, do. lot do. Yeah. You, you hate you hate administration. Will is the administrator. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is good, <laughs> and and that's how God puts uh, churches together because yeah. one's the arm, one's the leg, or whatever, and um, and of course Christ is the head. But the things that we we don't like. I think it's important to try to delegate those yeah. if we can. Uh, some pastors in West Virginia don't have that right. that privilege. They don't have somebody to help them. They don't even have a secretary, Jeremy. So, so uh, some churches are more fortunate than others. Um, but I think we have to categorize those and go, okay, what boxes am I good at? And and I'm going to do these. Um, excuse me. I'm going to do these well, but. Um, the ones that I don't do well, if I can delegate those to someone else, whether it's a church member might be yeah. or a deacon, some a, a good friend in the church, uh, yeah. hey, can you do this for me? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I, it's something that uh, I know that a lot of pastors have struggled with is this idea that they have to do it all themselves, right? Correct. And that burden, and it's, it's, a, it's a false burden, but it's a burden that can often be distracting. Um you know, I think of I think of things uh, where that I know have have become distractions. Man, oftentimes I think political debates have become distractions. I think, sure. um, oh boy, um, every election year is stressful. Um, but I, I would say uh, beyond that, some areas that can have definitely become distractions. I mean, I know buildings themselves can be uh, uh, attendance, being obsessed with attendance yeah. and things of numbers, that numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, it's and it's so funny because like that's that's a game that a lot of it's a it's a dangerous game. Pass when pastors start comparing yeah. their church with others and being obsessed with with numbers and yeah, know. I've I've heard that uh, you know the three Bs. Uh, oh, you have to what worry about the the butts, the <laughs> baptisms, and the budgets. And if, butts, baptism, yeah. budgets. Hey, and if those three are going well, then then you're doing great. That's not necessarily true. That's not true, true right? at all. Yeah, no. I can tell you. I got there are some very dangerous churches that have lots of butts, big <laughs> yeah, budgets. That's, that's right. That's and right. lots of baptisms. That's right. Oh gosh. Oh man, but I didn't mean to get you distracted there. But no, no, uh, no, not at all. I, but it's important. But it's, it's true though, right? It Th- is. Th- that's a distraction that a lot of pastors get caught up in. And I think I'd be lying to say there's not times where Will and I have, you know, there's that, man, I know first starting off, you know, it's like you look at it and it's like, oh, man, only 40 people came to, right. today. And it's like, well, praise the Lord. You know, that should yeah, be the right. goal, right? That's praise right. the Lord. 40 people came to worship right. today. But but like your sinful flesh goes, oh, man, I deserve more than this, yeah, you know? that's right. And, and, you know, anyways, yeah, those definitely are distractions. Let's... Um, so he, here, uh, Timothy changes uh, gears. He tells us what to focus on. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's interesting. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant mm-hmm. controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. I might get that. I'm not a. I, I'm not a tattoo guy, but I. I may become one and get that one right on my <laughs> arm. Right. I'm a little terrified of needles, yeah, yeah, but I may like overcome it. and put that one on there. But but I love this, right? He tells us, um, right? 
he tells us what to focus on. And again, warning. Now, how how do you discern, or how should a whether it's pastors, church members, discern what are foolish, ignorant controversies that breed quarrels. Like, how is it that we can discern that? I think that's the tough part, part for, for people to say, okay, these it are is. things I care about. How do I discern what is what 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 is the uh, what was the dishonorable versus the honorable? Well, it is a tough question because something that one person might think is important or relevant yeah. in in church life or in the world, i.e. politics or sure. or whatever. It amazes me how people hate each other over – we were talking football a little while ago yeah. before we started – how people hate each other over football teams. You know? It's so, true. It's weird. So those kind of things, obvious, those are the obvious ones, right? Yeah. But I think it's important to, first of all, consider the particular person who is who you're speaking to. Yeah. And as pastors is – mature Christians, we should be able to discern, is that person mature enough to even be able to talk about this particular subject or whatever, and consider their walk. You know, yeah. it's not it's not like uh, we're going to point our fingers at them and tell them how horrible or, or how immature they are, but I think we should consider that first. And then secondly, uh, does the, the controversy, the, the word he uses here is controversy, or, or – um, ignorant controversies or foolishness, does it have anything to do with the mission of the church mm-hmm. uh, with the gospel going forward? Yeah. And if, if, we can, if we can consider those two things there, I believe we can get, step back and go, you know what? I don't really think this is worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, and we can do that kindly. Yeah. And I think that's important, right? Because um, I think the fruit of the Spirit, if we're not – if we're not full of, of that, but when we're talking to people who are upset or have a, a problem, we're going to say the wrong things. Yeah, it's it's so funny because it's like you can the the inability to. I think part of the discerning is even how to talk about controversial topics, right? Like, and, and I think it's what you're alluding to is the if if I'm going if I am going to engage in some of these topics, I need I need to be able to how to do it well mm-hmm. and do it with mm-hmm. you know with grace and, and how I approach it. Um, you know, personally, um, you know, I'm a top A person. Yeah. And so if somebody comes bowed up to me, I struggle with that. Yeah. And I have to really take a deep breath and step back and not say anything for a second. And so you have to consider your own personality too and how yeah. you're, how you're made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's let's go to this last part. It says, and the Lord's this is verses 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. But kind to everyone, mm-hmm. able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their sense and escape from the snare of the devil mm-hmm. after being captured by him to do his will. Man, what a, what a wonderful way to end this little no part, kidding. right? As, as a way to, yeah, I, be careful how you speak, um, you know. Not, not I, I get a love not to be quarrelsome, be patient, right? Some of these adjectives be gentle. Um, so, so now is this? Would you? This is primarily towards pastors, is that correct? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a pastoral epistle yeah. written to Timothy specifically. Yeah, so it's it's towards pastors, but this is something that can be gleaned by the church in general. Sure, right? It's it's not well, pastors 
are called to be gentle. Right. But as a member, I don't have to <laughs> right. be that at all, right? That's an excuse. This is just a pastoral person. Well, that would be that would be like saying anything that uh, you know Moses said was only to the Israelites. You right. know, we know that's not true, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, all right, so we should, uh, non-pastors, right, church, we should take note that we were to, um, when we speak, we're not to be, we're to be kind to everyone. That doesn't mean affirm uh, things that are unbiblical, uh, but we're to be patient. And I love that even... It says, listen, God may grant them um, repentance. So keep that in mind as we're approaching these people. Which is why he, he said, um, uh, keep those vessels within the body yeah. because they yeah. might uh, come to know Christ. In the same way in Corinthians when they said, hey, when we become Christians, do we divorce yeah. our spouses? And go, no, because they might come to know him. So this is, a, this is be in the world, not of the world. Right. And as if you're in the world... Be a kind, gracious presence that's not shaming mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I would love to get, um, whether it's from Second Timothy or not, I would love to just to hear some final words of wisdom from Pastor Tim wow. to to <laughs> myself, to Will, to Jabes, to Patrick, to New Heights. Some words wow. of wisdom that you would give New Heights Church. Well, I, I've kind of alluded to, to some of that before. Uh, a little bit, but uh, I think it's most important to, and I don't, I don't think this is a problem at New Heights at all, is to uh, to stay in the Word. Yeah. I think it's important to to never think that you have arrived. I've been a believer, uh, been in church my whole entire life, but I've been a believer for um, right at forty years. Uh, how old are you? I am thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah. So I've been a Christian longer than you've been alive, Jeremy. I'm and a young stallion. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's what Will said. <laughs> but uh, and he's a semi-young stallion. Yeah. There we go. So um, uh, I, I have learned real quickly that I don't. The more I read and the more I study, the more I don't know. Mm. And so it, it's almost like this. It's overwhelming me that I, I don't know much about the scripture. Yeah. And the more I study, the more I learn. To be a life, if I could give them any advice at all, church members, staff, all the way down to church members, deacon, however you serve, study the Word of God consistently and be a lifetime learner. If you're 80 years old, continue to learn and continue to love the Lord in that way. Um, secondly, uh, love the church. Uh, I, you know, he, he's talking about church members here. He's yeah. talking about people who are in the body. And be patient and kind, like he's saying in these last verses, and and give people second, third, fourth, fifth. I don't know how to discern when to cut them off yeah. in that sense, like he's talking about in the scripture. But give them chances to to move towards maturity, and and never stop discipling your people. And then thirdly, I think um, more than anything, and and you guys do a great job at this. Uh, is to uh, cultivate a um, culture of worship mm-hmm. where people want to come back. I, we were at camp last week at uh, WVCSB camp, Summit Camp, and um, I personally just – I was ingrained just in that worship time and mm-hmm. just to be able to get away from my own my own sense of, of being or – purpose or anything and just i was just enveloped by the holy spirit and to be able to as as you worship and as you uh, continue to to be a, a body of believers 
uh, embrace that worship time because I think it's going to be tougher and tougher in our world sure. to have buildings and to have uh, a safe place to worship. And as, as frightening as that might be, take advantage of it now because you're cultivating this this uh, culture of of loving God through worship and the preaching of the word and and the the joy of giving and, and those kind of things. So I think you guys are doing a great job, and I'm thankful for your church. Oh, I really thanks, am. Man. Well, we're thankful for you, man. I really appreciate you coming and doing this, um, church. I hope uh, this has been edifying for you. It has been for me, for sure. Um, Tim, I love hearing you talk. Uh, here, I love hearing your wisdom. The Proverbs tell uh, tell the wise to listen, and that should be our prayer, that we can be wise and listen to those who have come before us and who have been pastoring and uh, loving the church for a lot longer than 10 years. So that's what we try, uh, strive to do. And church, I want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday. Peace be with you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about New Heights Church or a relationship with Christ, please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com.